in the house, we, one, of the, one of the words over the house is, is this is a teaching house. And, and teaching releases understanding. And understanding is another word for awakening. Because when you get an information, it can stay as information. But when you get understanding of the information, all of a sudden you're awakened to the hope of overcoming the lie that the enemy has been keeping you bound. And, and it's coincidence because the way the law works, it's, it's, we heard it from Minister, Minister Liz, how she's been awakened and she has the understanding that giving is no longer a, a tradition or, or something that falls. It is a privilege of honor for where she came from to who she is. We're here with this young lady here just giving her testimony of how she was bound in her past and her pain and, and not understanding that she has hope in Christ who delivered that from her. It's no longer information but revelation. You know, so we, so I want you to take this for I'm saying this for a reason because I don't want to uh, just go over the information that the sister gave about Wednesday's teaching. See, because the pastor's heart and passion is that you be not only get the information, but the revelation and the understanding of who you are in Christ. I, I, there's no reason why we shouldn't be here Wednesday getting imparted to be who we've been called to be. Because I don't know what journey you're going through, because everyone has journeys. No one goes to life without trouble, because trouble causes pressure. And pressure is what causes the greatness to come out of you. So don't complain about the journey, but, come, but thank God for the journey, for the speediness. If you're in the journey four years, it's because you're refusing to understand what God is trying to show you. So he has to keep you in the oven a little longer. The quicker you get understanding, the quicker you get out of that oven. To get into another oven. Because... We are going from precept to precept, from victory to victory, from glory to glory. The Bible says that my people perish for the lack of understanding. Understanding is it's very important. It's powerful. So I'm about to release this pulpit to an awesome man of God. That he's going to do several things. He's going to tickle your intellect. He's going to challenge your, the your theology. But he's going to leave you with some understanding. If you don't receive everything today because you can't write fast enough, it's okay. It's being recorded. <laughs> so don't focus so much on trying to keep up with him, but listen. Receive. That's enough of me. I want to introduce a man that I learned to respect and love and cherish. My brother Mingo. Who, who, no disrespect, past Domingo, but he's my brother. He's an emotional kind of a guy. Who I have seen this man never wave from his integrity. Never. Never. No matter what journey he's in. You know, it's noticed that T.D. Jakes, uh, had many people come up to him and ask him for a double portion of his anointing. And he, he, he was getting upset about it. So he's, he grabbed, finally grabbed one guy. You want double portion? Go ahead, I'm going to give you double portion. And he grabbed the guy by the collars, made sure the guy didn't run from him. 
And he began to pray. He said, Father, give him, give him, make him homeless like you made me homeless. Break him like you broke me. And the guy's like, no, I didn't want that. No, I didn't want that. The anointing cost him. The anointing cost him. And it's still costing him because he has not yet arrived. He is awesome to me, but God says, no, I still haven't taken you to where I need you to be. Enough of me. I introduce my brother, Pastor Mingo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's okay for me, but can we give God a hand clap of praise? I'm okay with a patty cake, but can we give God a hand clap of praise? Because whether you know it or not, it's not me who woke you up. It's not even you who woke you up. It's God who woke you up. You too. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, the ability to clap suggests that God is giving you the ability to move your limbs. The fact that you're standing means that you have the ability to stand up. Someone woke up this morning paralyzed, but you have the ability to stand up. Yes! Can we stand up for God for just a moment? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can tell you've gotten tired, so you haven't gone through anything yet. Because those who've gone through something we don't know how to get tired when someone says, Can we praise the Lord? Come on up here, minister. Let her come up here. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you, Rebasondo. Oh, Rebasondo, Kobasindi, Kimasa. Let us sit right there. Hallelujah. I want to ask two, uh, three people to stand up. One just walked in, Minister Christina. Hallelujah. Woodburn, who has been with us for some time now, seeing the seasons. Ladies and gentlemen, you can take your seats, please. And also going to ask uh, two other people to stand up. Hallelujah. I should say two other groups of people, amen. I want a man of God that's been with me now uh, for a year. <laughs> Someone say a year. Yeah. I've known him since February 21st, but it feels like a year. Could you stand up, Evangelist Gino Sagada and his son, Eugenio Sagada? Hallelujah. And I think I have some friends and some family who have been with us on a prayer line. Could you stand up, Minister, uh, Sister Celeste? Hallelujah. And your family, God bless you, those who came with you. Hallelujah. 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 I thank God for those who, who, who thought it not robbery to travel here today to, to hear God. I said to hear God, not hear me. If you come here to hear me, then uh, I, I think I should leave and you should leave. Because I don't go to church to hear me or other people speak. I go to church to hear God speak. And if God's not speaking where you are, then you need to leave. Oh, come on, somebody. I said, if God is not speaking where you're at, you need to leave. 
I want to give honor to the angel of this house. He though he's not here today, Apostle Victor Nazario, hallelujah, and Pastor Gwen Nazario. Y'all can clap right there. That's another opportunity because the Bible tells us in Hebrews that the angel of the house, the pastor, is responsible for watching over your souls. Amen. That's God. Hallelujah. Woman of God, when you start to speak, I saw everything that God, not everything, but things that God began to bring you through. I thank God for your courage to stand. But the reason why you're courageous, no, listen to this. Listen for a second. The reason why she's courageous is because, oh my God, two or three years ago, you would have never stood up there without whining, complaining, and being broken. But what God's brought you through, you're able to stand up there, not because of the people. I know you think it's because of the people, but you didn't really mean because of the people. You meant because of the people that God sent, so you really meant because of God who sent the people. And so I thank God that even at your young age, you learn how to give reward and honor where honor is due. And I pray God richly bless you as you flow deeper and deeper in that in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife could not be here with, you, with us today. Amen. But I thank God for my wife. Pastor Michelle Mingo, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, hallelujah. I'm not here by myself, she's with me. I tell people wherever I go, she's with me. Wherever I go, she, I'm with, wherever she goes, I'm with her. Amen? We don't have that funny stuff going on. I don't understand stuff sometimes. We talk about church, but God sent his son, and his son came back with a bride, but we don't know how to keep a bride for a moment. My God, struggle and pain. There's something wrong with that church. I didn't get enough amen, so I guess uh, some of you are okay with the fact that you can see manage, marriage is fractured and it's just okay. God could not do anything to heal it. I don't think the God that I serve, can. Um, he can turn things around. He brought you from the precipice of hell. You are, oh my God, headstrong going down into hell until God delivered you in your stuff and delivered me in my stuff. Hallelujah. How many people love ministry? I don't mean church. I mean ministry. How many people have been ministering for the Lord? Raise your hands. How many people have been ministering for the Lord? Hallelujah. I just want to get started a little bit. Amen. I'm of the persuasion and the conviction that ministry does not exempt us from trials. But trials validate us for ministry. How many want ministry? Raise your hand. How many want ministry and are not ministering? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. I, yeah, this, this, is not, this is not wanting. You have to go after something. If you're drowning and it's an arm's reach to shore and you got to hold on to something before you drown and you go like this, you're already dead. Go after. How many want ministry? Be ready for trials. Now raise your hands again. Raise both hands. Because you raise one without wrath and the other one without doubting. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I thank you that Apostle Nazario trusts me, O oh God, to release what you have me to release in this place before his people 
your people, oh God. I thank you and praise you, Father, for those who have come from far and wide, Lord. I thank you for every vessel in this place, the assignment on their life, the call on their life, the purpose in their life, everything connected to their life. I thank you and praise you, Father, that everyone in this place will not go out of this place the same way they came in, Father. I declare that there's a place of transformation in which they come to, Father, and I think it shall be done by the renewing of their mind. Father, I thank you right now, Father, for piercing their heart right now with the engrafted words is able to save their soul. I thank you for equipping them and strengthening them, Father, causing them to become what you called them to become, oh God. Father, I thank you that you saw them before they were even shaped and fashioned in their mother's womb, Father, and you've called them into this point of time today, Father, for they could have been dead, but you brought them into today, Father, for them to have life and life more abundantly, for them to be poured into, Father, for them to become everything that you designed for them to be for the foundations of the world. So, Father, I thank you that the enemy of our soul, Father, you've set us in position to be the answer. Oh, you'll miss that. I said the enemy of our soul, he set you up to be the answer. You're waiting for God to move. I suggest to you, you move God to move. Faith without works is. So you show me your faith without works and I'll show you. How many have faith? How many are stepping out on faith? How many are in the storm? You see the wind, you see the rain. You're inside the boat. Stand up, man of God. You're in the boat? Get out the boat. That's works. No, you're not going to stand on the water. I know it looks like the water, but in fact, what Peter stood on was not the water. He stood on the word that Jesus spoke. Selah. Thank you for releasing me, Elder, to not have to go back over stuff. That means we might be able to get some things done today. Are we all right in here? I need to say this. I love you. But I didn't come to play. What you do with your time will give you an eternal positioning. What you do with your time will give you an eternal positioning. God gave you this moment in time to determine your eternal destination. What are you doing with this moment right here that's going to determine where you're going to be eternally? But we want to go to church to be entertained. And if the song is not right or if someone bumped me along the way or if I didn't get a chance to shake pastor's hand, I can't get what I need to get. You need to shake the hand of God. Because as a pastor, we can fall, but God will never fall. So hold on to God's unchanging hand. What's the sense and hold on to a pastor's hand who may have died the day after you held on to it? Whose hand are you going to hold tomorrow? Is this all right? I'm not here because of me. I'm here because I've been assigned here. 
not just by the angel of this house, Apostle Victor Nazari, but also by God. You see, you're my assignment today, and I can't go back to the Father and say, I failed my my assignment, so I have to do what I have to do so that I can get the reward that I'm due, but I also need to do what I can do so you can get the reward that you have been signed to get. Amen? There are places I can go that you may never go, but there are places that you will go that I will never go. But if I share what I have to share with you, then it is as if I went where you have gone. Does that make sense? <laughs> I got to keep on thanking you for not, because I can't remember this stuff. You know this. I can't remember the stuff I say. The Holy Ghost is moving in this place. Come on, let's be, yes, praise God. Praise God. So then I said that ministry does not exempt us from trials, but trials validates us for ministry. I said that, right? Therefore, we need to understand then that the presence of a trial is a sign of trust. The presence of a trial, anyone in a trial right now, it's a sign of trust. And let me give you an understanding. God knows what you'll do in the trial. And by the way, he didn't send the trial. He allowed the trial. There is a difference. God doesn't send tests, but he allows circumstances to come about so that you can experience certain things that otherwise you would not experience. But the presence of a trial is a sign of trust. God knows what you will do in the trial. But here's the situation. You don't know what you will do in the trial. You say yes today until tomorrow shows up with something you weren't expecting to say a yes to. And now you got to respond with the yes you spoke about yesterday, even though you really want to say no, because the trial was not what you may have thought it would have been before you said the yes. But are we so glad the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but seven times he'll get back up because he's a gracious God. He's a forgiving God. He's a loving God. I'm so thankful, Father, that though I've fallen, I can get back up. I'm so glad I'm not like that lady. I've fallen and I can't get up. I tell you today, you might have fallen, but you're here today because you're about to get back up. Someone say, get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. I haven't gotten to my text yet. I'm not sure how much time I have, but Apostle's not here to tell me to stop. So I, I'm only joking. I'm under authority. I'm under authority. I'm under authority. I'm not, not going to do that. Hallelujah. I thank God for Evangelist Gino Segaro here. He's not part of my ministry. Evangelist Gino Segaro is under Pastor Jack from back, Pastor Jack Uris from Hudson Valley Family Church, and we connected in the prisons. Because I've been spending time sharing the word of God in the prisons, and I went to a refresher course, and when I got to a refresher course, this man of God gave a powerful testimony, which I will not share now, because Brother, brother, brother Julio, where are you? 
I'm sorry, not, this Julio. Um, he's coming to men's fellowship. He needs to share a word. The man, just, just fill a house and get out the way. He shared a testimony at a refresher course because as chaplains, we have to be refreshed every so often to make sure that we're up to speed. And he went and shared a word and that word he took, he came afterwards and said, I, uh, we need to connect. I need to speak with you. We, we, the way he tells, I don't like the way he tells it, by the way, but the way he tells it, he said, that's the way it happened. But you can probably agree to this. He said, I'm going to give him the mic and let him say it because I might mess it up. I'll give you my version. What he said when he called me the following day was what? What was that? What you, what you said I said when, I, when you called me. What was it that you said I said when you called me the next day? You said, man of God, what is it that you want? Because I don't have no time to play. And he said to God. Oh, Lord, what do I say now? I think what you told me before is like, why, why would you have me call this man? <laughs> I didn't fill his mouth, but God filled his mouth. He asked God, what do I say now? And God began to speak. Un understand this, understand this. That's, that's because, that, that's because when, when you are in a place where, where Everything seemingly is not what you would have set up for you to come into a position where you want to be in God. You have all this in your positioning of mind. You know, it's like these ladies, they, they plan a wedding exactly how they want it to look. And, and they have everything, you know, ministry, you don't plan like you plan a wedding. And so I've learned not to spend time. Because I don't get a return on time spent. But if I invest time, I can expect an ROT. What is my rate of investment? My rate of return? Or my return on investment for all of you uh, accounting majors. And so when he said that, I, you know, I never remember saying that. But then again, I don't remember half the stuff I was saying here when I say I have to go back and re listen to that myself. Sometimes. Did I say that? But I, I believe that he's speaking truth. I'm not suggesting that he's lying. I just don't remember it. But what I'm talking is, is that right after that, we connected and we have, have, have been inseparable because there is a positioning and an assignment that God has. And, and you can never do what you need to do in God within yourself. You must always go outside of yourself to do all that God's called you to be. Adam was there in the garden by himself and God said, I, I need to make him help me. Why? Because he cannot be fruitful and multiply without having someone to connect with that he can procreate and be fruitful and multiply. And though his assignment was to be fruitful and multiply, he he needed someone to come together with to be fruitful and multiply. 
The first two steps of his instructions by God was to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have domain. And you cannot go out of God's order, so you must be fruitful before you multiply. You cannot multiply before you're fruitful. So therefore, fruit must come before multiplication comes. And replenishment comes after multiplication. Subduing comes after replenishment. And dominion after subduing. But if you never get to the point of being fruitful, you'll never get to the other four steps. He's a methodical God. And so Adam had to reach outside of himself to connect with that which may, may not even look like him, act like him, talk like him. Don't worry about the opposites. They need to attract so God can set himself up. Amen? And so this man of God showed up and God began to Reveal stuff. He would say something that, that just blow my mind because what he would say I was living or what I would say he was living. And, and I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that because I can get there and never get into the context of the, my message today. I want to go a little bit further. Darkness is displayed in many forms, but two are very prevalent. Fear and pride. And listen to this. Fear is the belief that we cannot do what God said we can. Pride is the belief, then, that we can do what God said we cannot. Someone say, listen this week. Because <laughs> he's not going to repeat it. <laughs> this one time, I'll repeat it. Because how many want to hear that again? Darkness is displayed in many forms, but two are very prevalent. Fear and pride. Fear is the belief that we cannot do what God said we can. Pride is the belief that we can do what God said we cannot. The first thing God told Adam was he commanded, the first command was do not eat. Let me move on. Because I have to get to the context of this message today. And I, and, I, and, I know, and I know that if I stay there, we can go another direction. Amen. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, work with me, work with me, work with me. And so don't come to church, saints of God, to be entertained. Come to church to be instructed. Okay. For everyone in this place, I want you to understand that everyone born, say I've been born. I'm not talking about being born again. I'm talking about physically being born. Your mother and your father actually came together and you were born. Amen? So every living person in this room has been born with value and purpose. But it's what they do that determines their worth. Everyone in has been born with value and purpose, but it's what you do that determines your worth. Amen? And for those who want ministry or who are in ministry or are struggling in ministry, the degree of your authority is based on your level of submission. You want to go higher in authority, submit lower. I find that most people who have excuses are dealing with the fact that they want authority with no accountability. 
and they find a reason not to operate in the position of the authority because they don't want to submit to that which is designed to actually pour into them and make them become what they never thought they could possibly be in the first place because they think they have an image of what it looks like, but if they get in front of God, God will show them what it really looks like, but if they never get in God because they don't want to submit to God's authority, you're usurping not just the authority in front of you, but you're usurping God. And God will never give you. You might have a gift. Matter of fact, raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Everybody just raise your hand. Everybody just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. You have a gift. You have a gift. That's why I ask you to raise your hand. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have a gift. Hallelujah. We all have a gift. But our authority and our submission in God. Listen, we know gifts are without repentance, right? He gives gifts without repentance. Amen? But do you understand that if you don't come to a place of submission, that you can be marginalized in your gift? God will not let you destroy someone else because you refuse to use your gift by operating properly under authority. So he will keep you hidden and let you spend time by yourself prophesying to yourself until you decide you want to come under authority and allow God to reveal that gift of prophecy, that office of prophecy that you have. Because he's not going to let you shipwreck someone else's life because you want to lead a whole church astray and you haven't submitted yourself into the proper authority of the church. But you need to know, therefore, that there are two entities that determine your outcome. Two entities, you and God. Well, what about the authority you just spoke about? God set that authority up. And so with that authority, if you submit to that authority, you're already operating in the will of God. There's still just two entities in operation, you and God. Amen? Have I lost? Is this okay? I haven't got to my message. I'm just, I'm dropping some things in there. You have to understand something. I've been through some stuff and what I've come, the Bible says don't cast your pearl before a swine. So I understand why Jesus now spoke to the multitude, but he spoke in parabolic statements because he didn't give it to everybody. He gave it to those who was able to handle what was being spoken. So those are saying, everybody's nodding their head, but not everybody's going to walk out with revelation today. Because some of you really don't want this. What you want is simply just say, I came to church so you can get a drowning point with God. Say, I went to church today. But church was not for your attendance. You come as you are, but don't leave like you want. It's a place of transformation. But you can't be transformed without the renewing of your mind, according to Romans chapter 12. So your mind has to be removed, renewed because what you thought like before you got here, obviously, is not working for you, which is why you're here in the first place. So you have to change your thinking and start thinking the right way because the reason why you're here is to change your mind. So that where you're headed, you won't head there anymore. Is that all right? One of the things that's been happening with Brother Gino, Pastor Gino, Evangelist Gino knows this. Elder... The word of knowledge has been so sharp in this season. Because prisoners will stand up, stand up. Brother Al, stand up. Man of God, minister. He knows this because he's a policeman. But they'll put me in the hold and say, I'll see you later. 
Now I got inmates around me that can jump off in a second. But if I don't know who I am in God, you want authority and you can't pray a headache out, but you want to deal with a couple of inmates that got an issue. That got schizophrenia that they'll turn around and take a chair over your head. And so you have to go in there with the authority and the power of God in the first place. Are we feeling this today? So, so you have to remain under authority. Amen? Could we get into this message then? I think I've set the table. I want you to understand that the reason why I've made all of these statements is because I want to give you some of the nuggets that God has not shared with me simply by telling me, but I've had to live it out to experience it so that I then understand what I'm going through. In other words, my pain, you can experience without the pain to get the promise out of it if we're careful. Amen? Is that all right? Are we good so far? Okay, so, so, so now I want to explain to you why I went where I went and why I went. Is that all right? When I was here back in January, I shared a word. Pastor Nazario Apostle asked me to come in and just, just share a charge of what was happening in the spirit that I felt. And I stood up here and I said that I feel that we are in a season of maturation. Does anyone remember that? And I talked about that season of maturation. I explained that, that we are at the precipice because we, we, I mean, our transition, excuse me, because, because there has been a season when the church seemed to be inept and, and un unusable. It's like they're standing on, their, uh, on the sidelines not doing anything and everything is breaking loose. And all last year we saw all of these events taking place and it's like, where, you know, why is this going on? And we don't understand it. And, and even we find even leaders cannot make it out of 2014 that we thought would have been here with us for a journey of another 20, 30 years. And they could not even make it out of 2014. And then we find these situations going on back and forth. And it seems like the world is turning on an end and it's getting darker and darker. And we couldn't understand why, but we seem inept. And it seemed like the whole church looked ugly. It just looked like it was not pleasing to look at, and we could not understand why it looked such so, the way that it did. But I need for you to understand that that was because we're in a place of pruning. And whenever you prune a bush, it is undesirable to look at. It's undesirable to look at because it, where, where, where the branch was before that a bird would lodge, it no longer lodges there. And, and so we have to understand that, are, are we the church? Raise your hand if you are the church. Well, then do you realize, for those who raise your hand, that you don't control the church? The Bible declares in John 15 that God is the husbandman. John 15, don't turn there because that's not my core scripture. You can turn there if you want to, but I'm just going to go, okay? Because I need to get where I need to go, okay? John 15, chapter 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, 
that it may bring forth more fruit. See, what we saw last year was we were being purged and it was uncomfortable and we didn't want to come out of our homes because everything was so painful. It, 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 it was just not easy to be in. And so, and so that purging was hurtful. It was not something. Listen, whenever you cut something off, it, it's going to be some hurt there. But verse 3 says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. And no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If you abide not in me, he is, if a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is with it. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So let me go back to what I said earlier. I said before that, 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 um, hallelujah. There are only two entities that determine your outcome, you and God. Amen. The young in Christ receive revelation from man and confirmation from God. Hear this. The young in Christ receive revelation from man and confirmation from God. The young in Christ receive revelation. In other words, those who are just born, those that just received salvation, those need to sit for a while and receive instruction and revelation from man. But what happens is God will then begin to confirm that by, by speaking to you through his spirit to say, yes, that's what I said, not just that person. And you begin to understand and then hear God's voice through that process. Amen. But the mature in Christ, the mature in Christ receive revelation from God and confirmation from man. Because now you have to learn how to spend more time with God and less time with people to get to hear, know, to get to know, to get, know how to hear God's voice. And then you begin to respond to that. But watch this. Watch this. The earlier part then of your walk does not, the earlier part of your walk then God does for you. Because you're young. How many have newborn baby and you pick the baby up and the baby, the head can't sit right. You got the, they going to eat. They spit food out. You put the food back in. They spit the food. They, you want them to eat, but they don't want to eat. Amen. But watch this. That's the young in Christ. Amen. But watch this. I want to see this. Here he goes. says, now, now the young in Christ, come on. Hallelujah. Are doing that. But watch this. The earlier part of your walk, God does for you. But the latter part of your walk, you doing for God. So I just said that we are in a season of maturation. What do I mean? There's been a walk that we have been letting God do for us. God done anything for you? Has God done anything for you? Amen. Has God done anything for you? Yes, God's done something for each one of us, even today. God's done something for you. How many of you are saved? Just raise your hand for a moment. Just raise your hand. Hallelujah. Okay. Could I stick with you for a moment? 
Can I stick with you for a moment? Has God done anything for you? Okay, that's the earlier part of that walk. Can you stand up for a second? But now is the season upon that you now have to do for God. Because what God wants to do for you cannot only come by him doing for you like he did before. What God wants to do for you must be done by you doing for him. Because you can't get any further in God without him doing for you. But you won't get him to do for you until you do for him. Does this making sense to anyone? You cannot do for you and do for God at the same time. You cannot serve God and mammon too. You must come to a decision. The crossroad is here. Do for yourself or do for God. But if you're going to go after God, you must do for God so that he can do more for you than he could when you stop doing for him. And therein lies the secret. We are in the season of maturation as a church. Now, maybe not all of us are there, but we're getting there. Could I share a little bit more about your testimony, man of God? May I? Stand up for a second. If I gave him the mic, he'll bring you all to the Lord three and four times before I got the mic back from him. This man is so, excuse me, this man is so on fire for God that my, heart, my hands started sweating, literally, literally, just now. He's four years old in God. And he's probably brought more people to the Lord than I even cared a question. Four years old, he's read the Bible nine times, the New Testament 30 times. And all he does is eat, sleep, and drink God. I won't get into his testimony, but suffice to say that technically he should not be on this side of glory. God saved him and moved him in position. Oh, my God. And I'm here to tell you today that what looks like your fiercest enemy in the darkness can be your greatest ally in the light. So I say that specifically and I ask that he said. Because I want you to understand that you cannot put a time limit on God to suggest that he can't do it because I have not walked with him long enough. No, you just have not spent time with him long enough. Why? Because everything else is stealing your attention. I, I, I think we saw our Ron Luce put it up there. He talked about the busyness. Listen, listen. I tell people in, in, in the GI, I say, a distraction will kill you. Most of us were one distraction from hell. And God delivered us. A distraction will kill you. A distraction caused the fall of man. And all of us are required to go before the Lord to receive a way back. Every one of us in here is a result of a distraction. One distraction. In Genesis chapter 3. Every sin, every murder, every rape. Every, every sinful act is result of one distraction. And we pour 
ourselves into distractions more than we do anything else. But I want to tell you right now, universally, there is something going on. In this season of maturation, you're not just required to bear fruit. But God wants you to bear much fruit. Look at your neighbor and say, much fruit. Much fruit. And so I want to talk briefly to two people here today. I want to talk to two people. I want to talk to the qualified and the exempt. And you get to determine which one are you. I'm not laying this on anyone. You get to determine which one is you. Are you the qualified or the exempt? Is that all right? Yeah. We'll have two lines after service, and we want the qualified on the right and the exempt on the left. And, and you get to figure out which line you want to go on. Is that all right? <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. I got so much here. I'm just trying to figure out how God wants to do this. People put a premium on their time to do nothing and put a time limit on God to do something. Is that true? No, is that really true? People put a premium on their time to do something, to do nothing. And put a time limit on God to do something. Hallelujah. What you doing today? Oh. Nothing. How long are you going to do that? Don't know. Don't care. Why? Because I feel like doing nothing. Well, you have a right to do nothing. Yes, you do. But then when those things start chasing after you from behind and you run to God, don't blame God if he feels like doing. <laughs> just saying, just saying. But God, you said, I know I said it. I said it to you when you were doing nothing. See, I was speaking, but you wouldn't get impressed, so you didn't hear what I told you to do before those things came up on you. If you would have went to the left and not the right, you would have known that I had an answer for those situations before you walked into that situation. But because you didn't seek me, you don't know my voice, you don't hear me. Oh my God, Rebashola, Elijah, my God, Elijah was moping in the wilderness. And God said to him, He said, What's going on? He said, I feel zealous for the Lord. I feel this was after he did some great work. Elijah, Elijah, he did some great work. He, did, he called fire down after a drought. He called fire down after a drought. He called fire. He first of all, he said, Stop the rain. The first meteorologist for God. It's going to be sunny. How long? Three years. What's your name? Uh, Sam Champion. I'm sorry, Elijah. What does it look like today? Uh, we have a uh, sun. How long? Long time. 
As a matter of fact, every meteorologist was put out of business. Why? Because they didn't have anything to report. What's it going to look like tomorrow? going to be sunny. It's going to look like next week, sunny. You all want to have a barbecue? Sure. Is it going to rain? Don't worry about it. It's going to be sunny. And then he called down rain. And then after he called down rain, he went and got away because Jezebel was after him. said, this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. He was tired because he killed 450 men. Four, four, 450, four, one man killed 450 men with a sword. I'd be tired too. Come here. You can get up. You give me a Uzi, it's easier, right? But he had to use a sword. Amen? So now he's by himself, and he's sitting there saying, I'm tired, I'm feeling, because he moved out of the supernatural, and he came back to his natural state. And he felt overwhelmed because everything that had manifested. But now he's jealous for the, he's jealous for the Lord. He's talking about this, and, and, he, and he goes before God. And long story short, God shows up after he feeds him a couple of times, and he takes him to the mount, and he stands up here on the mount. He says, now, stand up here. And he said, now, he said, now the, the wind came and caused an earthquake, and then, and then fire came, and then fire, then a storm of wind came. God went before him, and, and went before him, and the earthquake came, then a fire came, then a wind came. But God was not in the earthquake, he was not in the fire, and he was not in the wind. Then it was a still, small voice. And God was in the voice. Saints of God, all of this calamity that's happening in this world, everything, these earthquakes, these typhoons, stuff like that, it is not by accident. It is not by accident. Am I saying God's doing it? No, he's not doing it. I think that it's the result of what he's allowing because you have to understand that God is not going to sit down here and passively do some things, but he's going to be obviously engaged, but he's doing it the way he's doing it so that we can come to him. But I want you to understand something. For all of you who are unbelievers, uh, that is for you. That's your way of knowing God is God. But for those who are believers, that's not for you. God doesn't need an earthquake to tell you he's God. All he has to do is tell you in his prayer time. The calamity is for the unbeliever. But prayer is for the believer. Get off Facebook and get your face in the book. I said the calamity is for the unbeliever so they can come to you. Stand up again, man of God. What's your name? I'm not going to go there. That's too easy. Go to work. People ask you about God at work. How many times? How much do you? How much do you say? You kind of keep it undercover because you're at work, right? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Because you, you, well, you want to be politically correct. And you don't want to abuse anyone, you know. So, so you have to do things the way you need to do it because you have to realize you have responsibility to your wife and your family, and you don't want to jeopardize that. I understand. I get all of that. I get all that. But let me tell you something, man of God. There's going to be a point in time where you have to be able to speak and shout out and say, "Cause God is doing this." He didn't do it. He's allowing it. Why? Because you need to repent. 
The reason why you're coming to me is because, I, yes, I am an angel, but not just angel. I am an angel of God because you're coming to me because you're looking for a message from God. But you can't keep on pipping out God just coming to me. If you can come to my church, I will give you the understanding of coming to a place where you get to know God like I know God. But I can tell you what's going to happen. As you go home tonight and you go in your bedroom and you begin to cry out to God tonight, say tonight. As you begin to cry out to God tonight, say tonight. Say, God, I will cry out to you tonight. Show me what this man has just said. Give me the zeal. Say it. Give me the zeal. I declare the Lord of the harvest. I pray for the Lord of harvest. Give me the zeal, Father, that I will speak like you've called me to speak. Because I don't speak like this when I'm crying out for something I need. Give me the zeal, oh God. In Jesus' name. Lift up your hands. The next time that person comes to you, you'll know what to say. Because as you open your mouth, as Brother Gino said, evangelist, he said, God, he said, God, give me the words to say. Trust. Faith without works is you want faith with works? Do you want faith with works? You have the ability to do both. It's in you. And you said, Amen. Is this all right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So therefore, then the calamity is not for believers, it's for the unbelievers. And you need to understand, we are in a season of maturation, but the world is getting darker. That's why you see all this stuff kicking off left and right, right and left. That's why the people who are unbelievers are sitting here right now, and they're aggravated. Because they don't really want to hear this. They want to be on the inside looking in. But they're dissatisfied because they're on the outside, and they don't want to be on the outside. They want to be on the inside looking in. And so like, when is this man going to stop talking so I, I can just leave out of here? Because I don't want to leave out of here because they'll know it's me, but i got to sit there and hear this stuff. I, I didn't come here to hear this. I came here to hear how I can get a blessing. I'm giving you a blessing. Whether you know it or not, you're being blessed right now. If I gave you $100, you would take it and say thank you. Learn how to say thank you to the word of God that you can give you a multitude of wealth. And none of it will be silver and gold. And you'll be better for it. I said you'll be better for it. Peter walked by the gate called beautiful. He said, flesh, uh, he said, silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have. Stand up and walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now let me get to my content of my scripture. Amen. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. We'll read that and then we will go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. John chapter 24, verses 23 and 24. It reads this way. It says, but the hour comes and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. 
God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Let me read verse 9 from the English Standard Version, because you know I'm a King James baby. Stand firm against him, verse 9 says, and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of sufferings you are. I had some friends call me up from, I mean, send an email from, hallelujah, from Australia. And they said, please pray. They sent out a mass email saying, please pray because we have a two category five hurricanes. They call them cyclones or typhoons. I forget which one it is. Headed towards the main line of the east side of, hallelujah, Australia. And they said, please pray because we have not one but two category fives. It's like Sandy Squared. Or Sandy exponentially, Hurricane Sandy, coming at a landmass that's smaller than the East Coast. Imagine the actual situation. Not one, but two. They were converging. One was coming from this side, and one was coming from this side. And they said, I need to get a hold of some believers who know how to go before the throne of God and begin to declare and decree what will and will not be. And they said, can you pray? Can you pray about the situation? And I got on my knees, but before I got on my knees, I sent out a text to other brothers and sisters of God that I know know how to pray and tap into the vessel of God and began to cry out to God. Now, I didn't tell them what to pray. I just simply gave them what was going on and asked them to pray. Then I got before God with my grandson and asked and began to pray. My grandson is six years old. We were home alone. Sounds like a movie. Anyway. I said, he's six years old. Lord, Lord, Father God, Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for today. Thank you for the sky, the moon, the stars. For Papa, I'm Papa. For Mima, that's my wife. And for everybody in the whole wide world, that's all y'all. Then I felt a shift from Minister Al. Because I told him, I said, Grandson, we got to pray for Australia. Father, I praise you and I thank you. Lord, I thank you right now, Lord. I tap into that river, oh God, and I ask that you begin to give me wisdom, direction. Give me insight, Father. Let me know what your will is as I begin to pray, Father, so I can pour out of my vessel, Father, that which you would have me to deliver, Father. For that which you would have me to say, Father, it will manifest in the natural because that's how you design. And so, Father, you're right. And by the time I finished, my grandson was like, Why are you leaving behind, Papa? But saints of God, I stopped because I felt, I saw, I observed in the spirit that those very hurricanes that were headed that way, I saw that there was going to be a parting and they would curve to the right and curve to the left.
and I got a it is well. And then one of the people who agreed to pray called me up and said, Pastor, I've been praying, and I'm not sure what I should, uh, let me just share with you what I got in my spirit. I had to stop praying. Why? Because she said, it's done. Because I saw them go to the left and to the right. Then someone else called me up and said, Pastor, we don't need to pray anymore. Why? Because that's going to be dispersed. I see the hurricanes going to the left and to the right. And by the time I got the report, two days later, I was told that the hurricanes that were headed right for the coastline split to the left and to the right. Why? Because the hour is coming and now is that in truth worshipers must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Let me begin to break this down for you. The word seek in Greek is zateo, zateo, zateo. It means to seek in order to find, to seek a thing or to seek in order to find out by thinking, meditating, reasoning, to inquire into, to seek after, to seek for, to aim at, to strive after, to seek, inquire, require, harabasa, demand, to crave, demand something from someone. The tale. Hallelujah. Now you need to understand something. God is an omnipresent God, which means he's everywhere all at the same time. Amen? Hallelujah. So now the Father, it says here in chapter 20, no, chapter, verse 4, chapter 23 and 24, it talks about he's seeking. What is he seeking? He's seeking true worshipers. Shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That word worship, hallelujah, is pro, pro, uh, excuse me, proskeno, uh, excuse me, proskenu, proskeneo, proskeneo. Now here's what that means. I'm giving a short version. Used in homage, hallelujah, I'm sorry, in the, in, a, in, in the New Testament, it means in the New Testament by kneeling or prostration to do homage to one or to make uh, uh, submission to someone, whether in order to express respect or to make supplication. In other words, that word worship is not about the songs that we sing and the hallelujah, I thank you, I praise you, hallelujah, I worship you. It is not about that. What it is about then, it is about going before the Lord and lying prostrate or kneeling before God and begin to call the things that God has called to be as though they were and begin to seek God and seek his counsel by his spirit and begin to give him uh, your vessel that he can pour into you what he would have you to say so that the circumstances that are not shall be what they need to be because God does not my God stop confusion without us he speaks to confusion by bringing us on the scene and if we don't show up on the scene confusion shall remain but when we show up as a vessel of God God will say now I can use you because you poured out that I can pour in now open up your mouth and speak what I've told you to speak when you will pray so that I can do what I will do because I will not do what I will do until you speak it because I am God and I am in heaven. You are my vessel here on earth. Open up your mouth and speak and when you begin to prophesy, when you begin to command, when you begin to declare, when you begin to speak, now I will move and do because I've given you the ability to open your mouth and declare. That's 
that's why he does this in the spirit. He doesn't do this in the natural because if he does it in the natural, everybody can do it. But he can't give it to everybody. He must only give it to those that know how to seek and go after him. Someone that's going to strive and go after God like it's, or that life is dependent on it. If they go after him, God will begin to allow them to catch him. In other words, if you go after God, as you're going after God, you will think that you're going to get away. No, his blessings are going to overtake you. Did you see that? You're going after God. And next thing you know, you don't get to God because his blessings already overtook you. Can we go further? Is this all right? First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, But it, as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which, have, which God has uh, prepare for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things that man of man save the spirit which is in him. Even so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given of us, of God. You can't tap into the things of God without being in the spirit. You cannot buy this. So your time on your job of trying to get money to obtain the temporal things is nothing to be compared to what God's about to release. Because the things that you think you're stabilizing, God's about to disrupt it for this whole world. It's about to get darker. God's about to shake this thing loose. And the only ones that are going to be able to live in this season are those that know God for themselves. And if you wait until it happens, you are too late. Look at your neighbor and ask this question. Are you qualified? We know spirit in Greek is pneuma. We probably spoke of that before, but let's go into truth. Define truth. Truth. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. That word truth was shown, was, uh, is shown to be an actual event. That word truth is aletheia. And it means to be true by an actual event or according to fact. In other words, are you doing what God is looking to be done? Let me say it this way. God calls things that be not as though they were, so that when they become, they become it because God already spoke it into existence. For his word goes out of his mouth and it does not return unto him void. And that which he said, it shall manifest. According to Jeremiah, he not only speaks it, but then he watches over his word to perform it. And so the question then is, who's performing the word that he's spoken? Because he's watching for those who perform the word when he spoke it. Thank you for the babe. Hallelujah. I got one hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, is it fact? Watch this. Is it fact that God speaks it? Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Is it fact then when God speaks it? Or is it fact when you do it? 
I suggest and submit to you, it doesn't become fact, meaning that you cannot put it in the almanac until you actually do what God said to do. He can speak a prophetic word, but until it manifests, it's not truth, because the truth has to be revelated, revel revelatory, but also it must be produced here on earth, because God's word goes out of his mouth, and it does not return unto him void. So when he speaks a thing, it's truth, but it doesn't manifest in truth until it's fulfilled. This is why Jesus told John the Baptist, you must baptize me. Why? Because the Father spoke it, and I can't baptize you because I will go against the Father's will. I must do the Father's will. And it's only then that God said, he started speaking. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Why? Because he corrected what someone was trying to mess up. And by volition of God speaking it, it became fact when Jesus, he said, John, baptize me. This is why the father seeks after. But he's omnipresent, which means I can be praying in White Plains. You can be praying in the Bronx, Long Island, New Jersey, Connecticut, all at the same time. And God will see all of us all at the same time. You follow? You follow? Okay, let me wrap this up. Now let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Consider this. I said this before. God is omnipresent. Amen? However, the devil is not. The devil cannot be everywhere at the same time. Only God is omnipresent. In other words, if the devil is coming over your house, he can't come over my house at the same time. He can only show up one place at a time. But he has hierarchy. He has ranking uh, principalities and, and thrones and the demons and angelic, uh, demonic hosts. And, and then he has imps. And I'm not going to go into the hierarchy. You know, I did that before. I think I spoke about that in kingdom authority a little bit. I mean, a little bit. I'm not going to go into detail. Though, but you have to understand that you think that the devil's working on you when he's working on me. No, it's not him working on you or working on me. He's actually working on us at the same time because he sent out orders against your life and sent out orders against my life. And so he has an army, someone say army, of darkness that's working against the children of light, causing this person to do this over here and causing this person to do this over here. You follow. But I need you to catch something in the spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, catch this. This is the good news. It says here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Now be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking who he may devour. The word sober is nepho, and basically what it means is to be calm and collected in the spirit. Did you catch that? Uh, Sister, Minister Cynthia, all hell is breaking loose, and they don't understand why he's like, hmm. She don't understand. They're coming. They're grading us. My God, mom, they're already here. Hello, are you? Oh, how? I didn't know that was you. Elisha said it this way. They were coming on him. They, they circled around, and, and the servant said, uh, uh, Master, they're here. He said, God, open up his eyes because I'm tired of talking to him. 
That was my version. And, and, and then he's like, Master, did you see all the chariots? And, and they all surrounded, and God smote the, the Sumerians', Sumerians eyes and, and took them to the land where they were trying to capture. And he, he opened up their eyes, and they were surrounded. And they said, now feed them and send them home. Why? Because your greatest and fiercest enemy in the darkness can be your greatest ally in the light. There was favor that came as a result of the wisdom that God dispensed upon the people of God when they sent them home. There was no longer going to be the type of circumstance of the relationship that it was going to be. Now, let's move on quickly. Collected in a temperate Dispassionate and circumspect. That's what it means. Nef, nef, uh, nepho. And then vigilant means Gregorio. And what that means is to watch or to give strict attention to. To be cautious or active. Take heed lest though remission or indolent, uh, excuse me, um, indolence, some destructive calamities will suddenly overtake you. In other words, Matthew 26 and 41 says this way, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Why? Because your adversary, back to First uh, Peter chapter 5, because your adversary, the devil, take note, the devil, your adversary, he's not your friend, he's not your companion, he's not your advocate, he's not your ally, he is your adversary. He's your adversary. Notice the ownership. He is your adversary. He's not my adversary. The Bible says he's your adversary. Raise your hand if that your means your adversary. He is your adversary. My God. It says that he's seeking. Just like the Father's seeking. I submit to you that there's two entities that are seeking today. Now we're in the center of the text. There are two that are seeking today. There are two that are seeking your life today. I'm stopping here for a reason. Because there are two that are seeking you. God is seeking you and the adversary is seeking you. No, I'm not calling you out and picking on you. I'm speaking to you because you represent everyone in here, including me. No one is exempt. So everybody needs to raise their hand because you need to say, God is seeking me and so is my adversary. Now watch this. I want to show you how the adversary seeks. Can I show that briefly and then we're going to close? Is that all right? So it says he's seeking as a roaring lion. Now I need to give you this so, so, you, so you have an understanding. How does a roaring lion walk about then? That's what I ask, brother. That's what I ask. With an, with he, the adversaries is, is seeking, walking and seeking as a, a roaring lion. He could have just said a lion, but the scripture says a roaring lion, ministers. The scripture said a roaring lion. The scripture said roaring. So I, I need to know why the, the scripture is describing the lion as walking and roaring. So I went online to find out about lions because I didn't know. I mean, I think I'm one sometimes, but I, you know, that's beside the point. You want to help me any there. Thank you very much. <laughs> Roars, we're talking about lions now. Everybody say, we're talking about lions. Roars are used, watch this, to proclaim territory and advertise ownership. Matthew chapter 4, the roaring lion went and found Jesus in the wilderness, seeking if he could devour him. 
Read that on your own time, but you'll see that there is ownership because he says, if you fall down and worship me, I will give you what? My territory. You'll catch that tomorrow. The sound is designed to emanate, watch this power, and is generally most vocal with females and young. This is why husbands, the situation gets kind of out of whack. You have to hold on to yourself. And sometimes it's not that you're hiding anything from your wife, but you got to hold on to stuff and can't give it to your wife because it may cause things more uneasy and you need for her faith not to wane. And so you have to learn to hold on and do some heavy lifting for your wife to not have to deal with some stuff. And so what happens is you have to understand that the enemy is trying to come after you both. But if you know how to do some heavy lifting, then her, fair, her faith won't wane and you can go together before the Lord. Amen? Lions can be heard roaring at any time of night. Watch this. Listen. But most often, Elder Isabel, watch this. They can be heard most often just before dawn. I love that. You know why? Because the Bible says that joy comes in the morning. And so the enemy wants you to roar, wants to roar so that you think it's all over. And he's trying to act like you are in his territory when, in fact, he's roaring the loudest at the point of your breakthrough. And if you allow him to be, oh, to be able to overcome and you begin to compromise yourself, he'll make a deal with you and you'll never get your promise. The enemy doesn't come after something that hi that's his. The enemy only comes after something that's yours. So he cannot make a deal with anything he does not own. And he does not own anything because Jesus stole the keys of hell, death, and the grave. And so he can't even bring you to hell. He can't even kill you because death is owned by Jesus. Now, he can act like it all he wants to, but he cannot. He cannot! If you are in the presence of the Father, this is why the conversation between God and Satan was had in the book of Job. Because he had to get permission between the father to touch one of his. Who God said that this is my. He said I'm so hot. This is my star pupil. And the Satan said I can't touch him if I want to. Because you have a hedge around and about him. But the key to that saints of God. Is that God did not create the hedge that covered Job. Job created the hedge that covered himself. Because he worshipped God. That's why we see how he got up in the morning when his children had a party at night and prayed and said perhaps they may have gone against the father he said I need to go before the Lord and make sure that if there's anything wrong I get it right father I come into your presence with praise and thanksgiving I worship you now father I begin to pray over my family I begin to pray over my circumstances I begin to pray over everything that's coming against me and next thing you know hedges start popping up where there were none and the enemy said, I want to come in. Oh, I can't come in that way. I'm coming in. Oh, I can't come in that. I'm coming in. Oh, I can't come in this way. Because Job made the hedge. He made the hedge 
He made the hedge. I got news for you, saints of God. We are at a moment in time where the season of maturation is upon us. And there are only two people that are going to exist, the qualified and the exempt. It is not determined by the circumstances around you. It is not determined by the people around you. It is not determined by the pastor. It is not determined by the leaders of the church. It is not determined by your enemy. It is determined by you and you alone. What you do for God, what you spend time with God, once you begin to lie prostrate before God and begin to pour out to God, God will begin to establish a relationship with you like never before. Because this has never been about servanthood. He came after his children. God didn't send his son to die for servants. He sent his son to die for his children. You are his children and he loves you. He came after you when you didn't even know that you were about to die. You don't even know half the stuff he's kept you from. And I know it may seem like you're angry because you think it's God's fault. But if you're really, truly honest with yourself, you know good and well it was not God's fault in the first place because you were warned not to go in that place, but you went in that place. Your mama said, don't go hang out. And you know who I'm talking to. Your mother said, I'm going to walk this way, but I'm talking to you. And you know, your mother said, don't go there. Don't get with that man. You got with that man. Now, circumstances in your life are happening and you're upset and you're angry because the people that you got with have abused you and confused you and you're calling on God and you're telling him you're angry with him. Why? Because you didn't do what God told you to do. When in truth you're angry with yourself, you're really just honest. I need someone on the keys, please. I need someone on the keyboard, please. I have been in a season where if I didn't know God, I would be dead. It's interesting that uh, Elder Ross said four years because I've been in a four-year season. And what I have experienced, I would never ask anyone else to experience. But what I have experienced, I am so grateful and thankful for having experienced it. I did not know what I said yes to when I said yes to God about ministry. But Elder Ross, Elder Isabel, the Lugos, the Maldonados, the Vanillas, those that have been here saw with their own testimony, how there was one day we were in here praying. Apostle Zari went away, and he, he, he uh, was on vacation with Pastor Gwen, and we had a prophet come in the house, and we're standing in a circle, and I still recall like yesterday, we're standing, he said, the leaders come in the circle. And we're standing in the circle, and we're praying, and all of a sudden, the woman got in the middle of the circle, and she stopped in front of me and my wife and said, my God, you are pastors. Then I can recall the Impact School of Ministry and, and Dr. Peter Ramos came in and he's sitting down there teaching. I don't know the man, never met him before. Hallelujah. Didn't even know there was a Peter Ramos until he stood up and said, my God, you two go here? Yeah, y'all are pastors. 
After a while, it got kind of sickening. My God, I know, we're pastors. Get on with the text. Because you don't necessarily want to go where you know you're going to have some pain. And I was in, uh, Minister Cynthia knows, we were in Harlem Tabernacle long before we got here. We've been through enough pain there to last a lifetime, but God put us in another place of pain and then another place of pain. Why? Because as, as, as Elder Ross said, you go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. I've taught this before, but faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. So in other words, if you ever see something, then you have to get to a place where you don't see and have hope. Because if you see it, it's not faith. And God says without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if you have everything that you can see and it makes sense to you, Brother Angel, that's not faith. You have to get to a place where you say, I don't know. Stand up for a second. This is the place where God loves you, where you say, I don't know. Because when you don't know is when he can show you what to know. Because God is omniscient. We don't know what we know until he releases it for us to know. All knowledge resides with God. So we won't know what we know until God says, I'm going to give it for you to know. And it doesn't matter how many people tell you to know it until God releases it for you to know. You won't know it in the first place. Not only will you not know it, but you can't retain it. Because you can't hold on to something that God has never given to you to hold on to until he wants you to hold on to it. And he never gives it to you to hold on. He gives it to you to not just hold on, but release. So someone else can be fed by you. So I get it. I understand you're in a place where it's not easy and you don't necessarily want to go to a place where you're uneasy and uncomfortable. But I'm here to tell you that you have to understand something. And I got this when I was, oh, my God, getting ready today. The Bible says that if you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before the Father. Is that what the Bible says? Now, I know we know that, Brother Gino, uh, Evangelist Gino, about salvation. But God gave me a revelation today. That's every day. In other words, if you go to work and you're concerned about confessing Jesus to someone that day, it's not about the salvation, baby. It's about that moment in time that you refuse to give God his due. So what have you refused God? Because he says, speak to that person. Someone say, ouch, that was me. How many people say, God, show me you, and when he shows you what to do, you get fearful? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand high. Come on, saints of God. I'm done. I'm done unless you take too long to raise your hand. Then I'm going to take another hour. Stand up. Those that raise your hand, stand up. I didn't come here to hurt feelings. I didn't come here to bruise eagles. I didn't come here to stroke eagles. I didn't come here to pacify people. I just came here to give God his due because God's the one who deserves what he wants. He saved us. He's baptized us. He's clothed us. He's equipped us. He's designed us. He's fashioned us. This day did not come into by existence because God said, oh, I see it. I guess I'll make today. He designed today. And for those of you who are standing, hold the music for just a quick moment, brother. Hold the music for just a quick moment. Hold the music. Hold the music. Hold the music. Hold the keyboard for a second. Hold the keyboard for a second. Stop playing for a second. Stop playing. He's in a flow. He was like. <laughs> Listen, I, I know what I said was tight. And I know it wasn't your usual Sunday message. You didn't come here to hear all of this. I, I, I get that. But could I tell you that God brought you here to hear all of this? 
for those of you who know me, I love you. I love you enough to have died, but I didn't. Christ did. Here's what I found out, brother. Peter, before he denied Christ, was willing to kill for him, but he wasn't ready to die for him. Yeah, think about that one. He took the guy's ear off in the garden. So Peter was ready to kill for Jesus. But here's my question for you today. Those who have been ready to kill for Jesus, those who are standing, even those who are sitting, are you ready to die for Jesus? That's the difference, isn't it, Brother Angel? Is, is that a wow moment for you? Does that make sense? That's who I want to pray for today. Those who have been dealing with the issue that you know you want to die, but you're really dealing with the issue of dying. That's who I came to reach today. Those that are there, just, just come up here at the altar. Just come up here at the altar. Just come up here at the altar. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just come up here at the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just come up here at the altar. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Those that, that know, just, just gather around the lines, whatever you got to do. Hallelujah. And I can tell you right now, just in case you missed it, if I were in preaching, I'd be up here myself because there's times when I get fearful. There is no shame in fear. There is no shame in fear. I want you to know that God loves each of you. But we are in a season where the church must be the church. And we have to recognize that God will not do what he's called for us to do. As we were, as you were speaking or some of us were speaking earlier, I, I, I felt a requirement to have the men stand. And I want every man who stands and even those who say, just raise your hand for a second. Just every man. Just every man. Because, see, women do this normally, but men don't do this. I want every man to commit to bring a man to church. The body needs men. And, 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 and you need to commit to God that you can bring someone. And let God do the rest. If you love them enough, you'll do that. Amen? For those who are raising their hands, is that all right? Amen means so be it. Amen then means that you will do it. Amen? So don't say amen and then slide back because you're making a vow to God and you'll get in more trouble by making a vow than not saying amen. Okay? Now I want to pray for all of you because I believe that there's a spirit in here where God wants to do some things and renew some people and recognize that, that God's doing this. This is not me. God wants to do things in your life and he wants to show you what he's about to do. This world, I cannot explain it to the degree that you understand it, because if, if I told you what I see, this world is going to get worse. Stop thinking it's going to get better. The world will not get better, but the church will get brighter. And what I'm asking you to do is be on the side of brightness today. What I'm asking you to do is understand that what God wants to do is he wants to bring you into the fullness of his joy and allow you to be his instrument so that you can see what's coming before someone says it. 
That's what prayer will do. That's what prayer will do. Prayer will change your perspective that you see something and be able to pray against it before the calamity.